We must search for what is truth. You doubt me. Seek proof. What is truth? And what is God? The first duty is to the truth, whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth. Then here is the proof you seek. You don't really want an answer to that question. Welcome to the Armchair Philosopher. I am your host, Sean DeRager. Uh, this is a, a lost episode, folks. I had totally forgot that I recorded this conversation. And uh, I was going to be releasing it back in April. And I got caught up with um, the audiobooks I've been narrating. That business has been kind of skyrocketing and taking up quite a bit of my time. And I completely forgot about this interview. So today's interview is uh, with Marie de Elephant of the Everyone's Agnostic podcast. And Maria and I discuss her journey, her podcast, and we even dive into a little thing called polyamory. So very interesting podcast. A lot, uh, a lot of ground is covered, and I really hope everyone uh, enjoys this uh, this episode. And with that, I'm going to turn this podcast over to that interview, and I'll come back and tell you all what's going on with season six a little bit later. But until then, enjoy this conversation with Marie Delafont of the Everyone's Agnostic Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Sean. We've been trying to get this thing together, uh, I feel like, for a while, since uh, yeah. since last year. And we finally had a time all ready to go, and then my uh, garbage disposal backed up right before we were supposed to record. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say something like you had intestinal issues or something. <laughs> yeah, that too, probably. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it was ridiculous. So I, I have to fix So it's like I'm doing the Drano. That's not working. Uh, and then I'm trying to like, oh, it's not draining. And that didn't work. And then I had to like take the, you know, I had to be like Mr. I'm like, I'm adulting right now and I don't really like it kind of thing. <laughs> and I had to fix that. And uh so yeah, it's been interesting. And then I had a friend come in and he knew how to replace these things, but he forgot to he forgot to put in like there's a a, a drain that when you the the dishwasher drains into the garbage disposal and yeah. he forgot to punch out the hole. So that you're supposed to punch out a hole and then you put the hose on so the water drains into well, he had the hose attached, but there was no hole for water to drain into. And I ran the dishwasher two nights ago. And uh, it was a mess. Oh, it was no. Not cool. So it's ongoing. I think I had to take it all apart and actually do it myself. So you know what? Here's here's the thing. If you want something done, just fucking do it yourself. It's really unless just, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> maybe figure it out. Go to YouTube. I don't know. I was like, I didn't yeah. know how to do it and I should have just done this thing myself. So yeah. I don't know. So though so it's been been interesting. With the kids running around, the dogs running around, it's just like this is just this is awful. So, uh, yeah. so I'm glad I'm glad to be doing this. I, I wasn't just making up an excuse, Maria. I, I really did. <laughs> really. I wouldn't even care if you did. I don't take that kind of stuff personally. <laughs> so, um, well, we're just going to talk about a bunch of things today because I just feel like I feel like this is kind of a launching into this year. There's just been so much with me and so much just been kind of going on with the whole. I don't know what you call. It. I don't. I don't even know what I'm a part of because I'm like this. I'm like this. You know, deconstructed agnostic guy who kind of digs on Jesus and goes to like a UCC gay affirming church that I love 
and but I'm conflicted and going to church and there's you know it's just I'm I don't even know yeah. what I am anymore. Yeah. Um. So I you know I've been thinking about that. Where should this podcast go? Because there's the whole evangelical movement. There's all these you know all this stuff, all these podcasts, which is fantastic. And uh, I'm kind of feel like I'm just kind of blowing in the wind, going back and forth between a whole bunch of things. Like, so, um, but yeah, so I'm sure that through this conversation, I'll drop things about what I've been doing, but, um, but yeah. Marie, tell me a little bit about yourself and, uh, and, and the everyone's agnostic podcast, uh, cause it's you and Cass Midgley. Yes. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, you yes. guys have this is this okay? So, or is this like an evangelical podcast? Is this an atheist podcast? What what's the what's the general feel? An agnostic um, podcast? I don't know if there is like a really good label for it because mm-hmm. ultimately, I'm not trying to make my listeners believe anything, nor right. am I invite inviting only a particular kind of listener. And um, but basically, all of our conversations are about deconstructing faith. Mm -hmm. Many of the stories um, terminate in or result in somebody becoming um, something that they call agnostic Mm -hmm. or atheist, or I don't know, they're just uh, an I don't know, a nun, (laughs) not applicable. Um, So personally, I I don't have a whole lot of investment in, in what uh, what to call it in terms of who is it for and who is it by. Yeah. But our conversations are definitely very um, uh, clear and um, what do I want to say? Not pretty unapologetic mm-hmm. about the CD side of religion of the, of the, you know, the fundamentalist kind of religion that can really fuck with you and your yeah. identity. So we're pretty unapologetic about deconstructing that. Um, so that's, that's the majority of our conversations, um, kind of working through what we've been through and then moving forward and talking about, what now? Like mm-hmm. how how do we recover from this, and how do we make a new life for ourselves, and how do we um, absorb the world around us now with that framework that has been removed that used to tell us everything about the world, and and now it's gone. <laughs> um, so now what do we do? So those are that's generally what our conversations are, and the show has been around for four and a half years. Um, Cass started it himself um, four and a half years ago um, with his friend Bob Pondello, who was the resident always atheist um, <laughs> on the show. And so he was kind of like a bit of a comic relief when, you know, they'd be talking to people who had um, deconverted and and be, they would be using a lot of that slang, a lot of that jargon uh-huh. about the experiences in religion. And Bob would be like, wait, 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 wait what the fuck is talking in tongues? (laughs) (laughs) And it would just be like this nice, like little comic relief. Like, Oh, isn't that adorable? He doesn't know what it is to speak in tongues. Like, Oh, and then like having cast, like try to explain it to him. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) So like, so Bob was on the show for four, four years and then he ended up moving um, to Madison, Wisconsin. And so it wasn't really convenient anymore for him to be part of the show. Um, But I've been a listener. I had been a listener for, about three years now and I'd been on the show as mm-hmm. a guest in episode 108 and in episode 180 and I fucking love the show like I I'm already bought into it um you know just as a listener yeah. and a, a part of the Facebook private community group
group. I really like being a part of that. And so when the opportunity, uh, the opportunity kind of presented itself last fall for me kind of to aggressively, <laughs> um, talk to Cass about, Hey, remember the part where like, I'm super good at like organizing things and that you are not good at those things <laughs> and that I can totally tell you're burning out. Remember that? Like you should probably let me help you. Um, awesome. And he's like, okay, well let's talk at the retreat. And so there was a retreat in October and I got to meet him and I convinced him to let me help. And then it was not much longer after that, where I was like, I also would like to be the co-host. And he's like, sure. <laughs> so I've been co-hosting and managing the show since November of 2018. And, um, it's got a very different life to it than mm -hmm. it used to yeah. when, uh, Bob was on it because I'm a very, very different person than Bob. Um, and I bring a lot of different uh, a different, a very different narrative and experience, um, of the world into the conversations, mm -hmm. but I like it. And obviously I would because I'm me <laughs> and Cass seems to enjoy it. And so he's letting me be in charge and that's fine. So there you go. <laughs> so that's the, the long and the short of uh, yeah. kind of how it came, how it came about. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that's great. And that's, I feel like it's funny because when I, when I first started uh, this podcast, I had a co-host and him and I were kind of, you know, going, going through the same kind of, uh, deconstruction or whatever uh, around the same time and then after a, a couple of years he was like yeah i think i'm done <laughs> mm -hmm. and yeah. so i've been kind of plugging along with this whenever i can and um you know and, and i get i get the burnout thing and um because so a little bit to that uh I, i've been feeling that burnout because i do yeah. i do a couple other shows i do a horror movie podcast um oh. and then i do a science fiction kind of on the side once a month or whenever i get get a chance a science fiction podcast just for fun and yeah. um and this year uh i don't yeah i don't think i even really mentioned what i was doing last year before this before i wrapped up season 5 but i've i've started doing voiceover stuff uh, more aggressively i'm doing uh and more in like the uh in the line of like audiobooks so i've been narrating a whole bunch of audiobooks and i have huh. four wait three published and then two on the way and then like six more lined up <laughs> so wow so i have I've a friend who does that too that's super cool yeah and it's uh for me it's been it's been really great to kind of uh do that and explore that side of things because i work at a just a boring office job so um yep. so i've been doing that and it's been hard to try to juggle that with debt with those deadlines the family and then trying to book these shows so i'm kind of, mm. i've been in this kind of cycle and we've and even with my co-hosts for the for the screamcast they're all busy too. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, you know, it's, it, it is, it is what it is, but I, I really appreciate that, you know, people, people seem to be pretty patient with podcasts, uh, yeah. like ours and they'll, I'll, they'll bounce back. I'll, I'll, I'll always see the listener listeners kind of ramp up once I start going again. I'm like, okay, I didn't yeah. lose too many people. <laughs> no, they have plenty of other things to distract them. Oh, they yeah. already love your show. Then they're going to keep coming back exactly. whenever you release content. So let's talk a little bit uh, more about your story um, specifically. So yeah. um, I've read a little bit of your your bio here on on the website, and so I wanted to kind of, you know, if we can jump into a little bit of your your story um, coming from I'm assuming Christianity, and yeah. then kind of what sparked, what pushed you kind of to start questioning and then move outside of that, and kind of I guess where you kind of align right now i guess we can yeah and i'll so basically you want me to share my testimony yeah <laughs> please uh, Marie, <laughs> my if, Marie, uh, Marie, if, you, if you can just uh, step up to the microphone and just, just share your testimony <laughs> with us and just to challenge all of us as we're just you know 
Gross. <laughs> I know, right? Gross. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be very happy to, to, well, it's not very happy, but I'm <laughs> pleased to, to share yes, yes. my experience to, to, to relate to others. Um, yeah, so I um, grew up in Minnesota in the U.S. and um, had uh, family with three other siblings and we, my parents are Christian and they're the kind of Christian that, you know, um, it's about their relationship Mm -hmm. uh, with their God. There's an internal, uh, like metaphysical, emotional relationship that they have with their, their biblical God. Um, so that's the kind of the context that I was coming from with, um, our, our faith. And it was never like shoved down our throats at home. It was more like the, it was really the church that was doing it. And then like, it was reinforced with the tradition at home, you know, the, the praying, um, for meals and stuff, the, um, all the religious holidays and that sort of thing. But outside of that, you know, it wasn't as bad as some of the experiences I've heard from other people, um, where their pa- the parents were more invasive with religion and kind of in their face and preaching yeah. at their kids about stuff. So with with perspective, I can be grateful for that, um, the ab- absence of, of that. But um, anyway, so we went to a Lutheran church. We were Lutheran for a while. I got baptized as a, a baby. And um, they, my parents were kind of in this like... I don't know. They went to Lutheran churches, but then they also went to like this Catholic charismatic group. So it's like they were, they were very like, there's like a, a dichotomy in them, like this like weird schism where they didn't really know what they were, I don't think. Um, but eventually, um, I, I mean, I took all this very seriously. I, mm-hmm. I remember having like, and just to be clear, I have a, a panic and anxiety disorder that's always been with me and it that integrates and that plays with the religious messages and made it much worse for me than mm-hmm. it might have somebody else. Mm-hmm. But I do remember, um, uh, misunderstanding the dogma or the instructions around like who goes to hell and why you go to hell. I thought that if I died without confessing specifically every sin that I had done, then I would go to hell. So like yeah. every new sin you're destined for hell. Um, I felt and that so way too. I had that cloud you? hanging. Oh yeah. I mean, I was, <clears throat> I was the kid that at every summer camp, every almost every other night, I felt like I had to go, <laughs> go up and rededicate my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, totally. And that <laughs> yeah. was a, that was a thing too. And that was more about like backsliding mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. Uh, like a literal like one sin fucking you up. Well, I would or, feel like one sin would cause. I was already backsliding. I was like, oh no, oh, you know? Oh. oh, I swore. Oh. Oh, I looked at a naked woman. Oh, you know, like all that stuff. Like I always felt like I was just never, ever good enough. And I always would just be like, yeah, I, 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 I totally, uh, (laughs) I'm with you on there. Yeah. Yeah, Isn't that the worst? That's just like the more and more I I can see it objectively as an adult and can consider other ways of, uh, being instructed about morality on the earth. Um, Mm -hmm. I get angrier and angrier (laughs) that, uh, and I have, um, that much more compassion towards myself and the stuff that I'm working through in terms of like the, I'm despite releasing God, you know, more than 10 years ago, uh, that doesn't release, um, any of those, um, underlying messages, uh, that like, you know, about the not being good enough that still sticks, 
uh, to me and is reinforced in more general terms by culture. Mm-hmm. So, so there's always that to, to deal with, but, um, I just remember feeling really anxious and like trying to go to sleep and trying not to sin, but then I would just like think of a swear word mm-hmm. and I would just be like, fuck, oh, fuck. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, I mean, fuck, I mean, ah, fuck. And like, <laughs> and like, if you really believe that and you're a child and you think you're going to go to hell, like yeah. that's terrible. <laughs> it's just, a, it was a terrible feeling. And when I think back to that memory, I'm just so upset that I would have been put in a position where that misunderstanding could have even happened. Mm-hmm. Like I should, I should have not been told anything even near to the idea of that. If I do something bad, I sh- I would go to hell that just that message in and of itself is abusive yeah. and horrible. Um, so, um, that's all to say that I took what I was taught very seriously. I respected the authority that it came from. I had questions and I had doubts, but I did not trust myself. I did not trust my ability to think critically. And so I never really leaned into me, into my intuition, into what I felt were really good (laughs) reasons to doubt. And I always leaned back towards religion because of fear. fear of being wrong, fear of hell, fear of, of God punishing me of, and just in generally being reinforced by the sense that I, I, I couldn't trust myself and that I wasn't smart enough to figure this out. And that anything that I thought that did not align with what I was taught was the devil. Yeah. Cause there's that part of it too, where you're not even allowed to have a thought without it either being coming from God or it coming from the devil. And so like, don't even get me started, but totally get me started on the bullshit that that creates in your mind in terms of like what you have to live with after that of um, constantly doubting your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, and your mind isn't a safe place anymore for you to get to know yourself and to be mindful of, of what you're experiencing and how you're processing the world anymore. Now it's this this landscape of shame. Yeah. Of, of I'm not doing this right. I'm thinking the wrong thing. And there's the the worst thing you can do to someone is um like shame them so much that they're not even safe in their own mind. Mm-hmm. Like that's the the one place you should be safe in. That's the one place you can control until you're dead or or whatever. And I'm I'm very angry. <laughs> I'm really, really angry. Um, about that kind of indoctrination where they taught me that I could not trust tr- trust my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, now, did you get that more from home or did you get that more from like the um, church. Church, church? Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, church. my parents had a little bit of that and they definitely have, we, have as we've had conversations as, as they're kind of going through their own journey now and at, later on in life, um, they see a lot of that. But for me, I feel like a lot of that stuff was enforced reinforced, I guess, by church or youth group camps yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It was, uh, yeah. it was like the I whole thing, the whole, the whole bubble of that. And I don't think, uh, at least I don't think my parents knew what I was yeah. being. Right. To be honest, like, I don't right. think they, I've told them about purity culture, like true love weights stuff that I was mm. taught. And they were kind of, uh, disturbed by that. Mm. Like, like just recently I told them like in the last two years, and 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 I was surprised that they were mildly disturbed by that. I was like, um, but <laughs> you like you encouraged me going to this church. Like, did you not keep your eye on what I was being told and what I was bringing home? Um, 
But I mean, to be fair, they had four kids and, you know, my mom was a stay at home mom and like they were just trying to get by. So I can be very compassionate towards that. And, Mm -hmm. and just to the fact that like, you know, I grew up in the eighties and nineties and the, I know things aren't great right now, but they've gotten a lot better in terms of, uh, general wokeness and also acceptance and support of mental illness and that sort of thing. So I, I think my parents might have seen something sooner if they had been a little bit more informed, but they weren't. Mm -hmm. And so that's okay. Um, but, uh, so I, I continued being really involved with church and taking it very seriously and believing all of it. I was totally bought in. Um, and I think I started having my first doubts, um, when I was about 13, which makes me feel really good because I hear (laughs) about a lot of people who don't, uh, doubt or deconvert or whatever until they're in their forties or fifties. And I'm like, fuck, that's a long life. It's a lot of shit to unwind. Like a lot. I don't know yeah. how they do it. Not to discourage them, if you're listening, like <laughs> you tell me how you're gonna do it. You find, fucking show me. Find a good therapist. Find a good therapist, yeah. especially if yeah. you're older. Um, because that was kind of the same way where I had a lot of questions, but they they would get swept under the rug, and I would be like, oh, okay. But I still had that mindset of I'm still gonna question. I still yeah. drink the Kool Aid in a sense, but I it was I was always questioning. And it made it so much easier when about 10 years, 10 years ago or so, when I kind of just said, you know what, I think I'm done with this. I think there's another, (laughs) another way for me to kind of things for me, things for me to explore and learn. And I think I'm kind of done with this fundamentalist Christianity um, side of things. But I mean, that was 10 years ago, but, but I'd always kind of been, you know, um, a challenger, I guess you can say. So it, it, it felt it was a little easier, but yeah, a lot of people. Man, they, they, it's a it's a tough road and a scary road to go down when you start questioning your faith. What was it? What was it um, at that age? At age of thirteen? So I have a thirteen year old daughter right now, and mm-hmm. oh god, um, <laughs> we're dealing with some shit. So yeah, but uh, we haven't raised her in this kind of you know we haven't raised her with these. Um, this belief system, we're kind of raising her in a, in a way to kind of, she can explore her own spirituality. Yeah. There are some, we teach her, we teach her like the, there's some core tenets to Christianity, especially this more of a liberal progressive church that we go to that, that they're involved with. Um, and they, ex, they actually love questions and, and, but the foundation of just grace and love and unconditional love hmm. is basically the only thing they've really been, has been ingrained in them. Everything else, oh. um, they're exploring. So what was it for you at that, at that age, that kind of, you're not saying you fully deconstructed, but what was the seed of like, all right, I'm going to kind of question this stuff. What what, What were some of the things that you questioned? Well, like for me, it was just like, why, why, (laughs) why why any of this? Like, why, why, like. It was it was like the most basic kind of doubt you could have. Like I was thinking to myself, mm-hmm. what are the odds that I have it right compared <laughs> to like everyone else in the world who thinks that they're right? It wasn't like I hear a lot of people who deconvert because of some kind of intellectual issue that they have a problem with, whether it's the problem of, of good and evil. It's the problem of is God omnipotent, omniscient, 
and Omni something else. Mm -hmm. He can't be all three, etc. Like they run into some kind of philosophical or theological uh, thing that bothers yeah. them. And um, that was not what it was for me. I was just like, it was just much more base. Just like, why? Like, is there any evidence at all that there's a God at all? And if you can even convince me into believing that maybe there's something vaguely kind of like a God, I would love you to try to do the exercises to convince me that um, it's all of these things in this Bible and mm -hmm. all these this part of this narrative that you've built up around your religion and that that is all objectively true. Like that's a lot of work for you to do to convince me of. Like I just, I just, <laughs> I just thought it was kind of absurd. Like I just felt like I really could see it for what it was, and it just, it, it was not convincing, and it just, like nothing really made sense. Like I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, but I couldn't say it that way. Yeah, I can say that 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 way now because I have power over it and I have confidence in my intellect. But back then, it was like I would have this brief thought of like, well, why? Like, what evidence is there for having a god? And I could barely even finish the question in my head before the follow up of shame mm -hmm. and fear mm -hmm. and just um, terror would overcome me and this um, fight or flight, you know, response would um, show up and just be like, you, you, you need to pray to God right now. You need to ask for forgiveness right now. You need to like, the devil is in your head. Like, right. and I would freak out just for having like the most basic kinds of questions because it really felt like life or death to me. Like it was really essential to be believing the right thing because it was believing the right thing that got you into heaven, that got you into God's good graces, that um, had you on the right side, that had you part yeah. of the circle. And um, so any doubt was terrifying mm -hmm. to to consider, to, to allow to hang out in my head. And then plus, like I said, I had, and it's not obvious anymore in who I am now, which I'm super happy about, but I had terrible low self-esteem and did not trust myself, did not think I was worth anything, worth anybody's time. Um, and so with that kind of self-esteem, it's really hard to trust yourself Yeah. Um, and to explore those things. Um, and then you, so I just, I, that was my life for like, um, 10 years after, you know, that very first doubting in at the age of the age of 13. Um, and it was basically, if you just put those 10 years on a scale, like on a chart, it was just like this up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, mm -hmm. up, down for 10 years of, um, of doubting. And then having that re reaction afterwards of trying to compensate or trying to prove myself. Um, so a lot of this was just like, oh, I'm atheist. And then I would get like super depressed and angsty, um, <laughs> given that I was a teen as well. But like, yeah. I would like go through those periods and I would like hang out with like the bad crowd, which was really not actually a bad crowd. But like, and <laughs> we would like swear and like <laughs> loiter and <laughs> make dick jokes and like so i was with a bad yeah crew. i was with like, that bad i was with that bad crew i, I even yeah. may or may not have stolen a snickers bar too and well, maybe an yeah. ice cube rap cd 
Dang. Yeah, I was I hardcore. Talk anymore, man. You're corrupt. <laughs> corrupt. Yeah, oh. no, I stole shit too, but not that bad. Like I stole a donut. No, I stole money from my parents. I would take money right out of her fucking purse. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's funny because that as at that age and and, and the, the funny thing about about the CD story, it was Ice Cube's "The Predator" song and the <laughs> single had come out. I was kind of big yeah. in rap. I was, in, I was and I liked rap because it was it was like it was like the thing I shouldn't listen to, you know, and there's swearing and sexual lyrics and all the stuff. Um, and if, and if somebody heard that, they knew you were listening to something bad, you know? Um, and I was with my mom in the mall and I shoved a single, it wasn't a full CD cause they had the big, they're in the big tall things. You couldn't really shoplift. And they had, they hadn't installed like things yet, you know, alarms and stuff. So I took yeah. one, a single CD and shoved it down my pants and it was down my pants the entire time I was at the mall with my mom. Um, I felt awful. I felt awful. Like physically, like, did it like hurt your dick? Like, I just can't imagine how uh, you're carrying this thing around. I wore baggy, baggy clothes, you know? So that was right. That was right before, um, what were those big Junko jeans and all that kind of stuff was coming out. So things were, the style was baggy. So, but yeah, Yeah. but, but see, that was, but that's the thing that I, like the next day, the next week I would see that CD sitting there and I felt like. God was just telling me how awful I was and, you know, you need to do something and, oh, that, that, that turmoil over, you know, kind of something that was triggered over because I was kind of held under this microscope of being, had to be such a good kid. And that was my kind of outlet to kind of, you know, bust against that. Um, but man, that that shame and that guilt on anything oh, was just just oppressing. And I I finally kind of succumbed to it and kind of just gave into it. And all right, I'm going to be good, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shame is effective. Fear is mm-hmm. effective for changing behaviors, but not to the extent that you want. Like if you want long term internal, like integrated change within a person, like that can't be done through fear and shame. So yes. Um, these parents are getting the results that they want and that you were laden with guilt. I was laden with guilt about masturbation. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, now I'm a non-functional human being who <laughs> is carrying all this shit with her and can't be her full human self. Yeah. And so this fear and shame route is um, effective, but um, what's the word? Just traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a long-term solution. Yeah. When um, when did you start seeing kind of the um, kind of the toxic effects of the corporate nature of religion? I know you talk a little bit about here about it, like mission trip and things like that. You would go to. When did you start yeah. seeing kind of um, the more toxic nature of of Christianity? I guess it would be our context would be Christianity. Um, right. For for me, it would be um, kind of seeing. I don't I don't think I really saw toxic toxic stuff until I kind of moved into I moved to, to Tulsa, Oklahoma and there was um oh gosh I, I was I was living in northern Iowa moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma and there was churches in every corner bible colleges and everything like that and you kind of I think being around that much christianity <laughs> after a while yeah. kind of I started to, and I was always like I said I was always kind of aware and always kind of 
you know, I was like, I'm Christian, but I'm a cool Christian because I smoke. Right. I'll, I'll have a right. beer. I'm a cool Christian. <laughs> I've got tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We were all in Christian hardcore bands, <laughs> everything like that. <laughs> you know, um, and most of that group, we've all just deconstructed. It's crazy kind of when I bump into them. Um, half of them are atheists wow. now. But, um, huh. but yeah, we were the, oh, we're cool Christians. We're not held down by this, by religion. We have a relationship, you know. Yeah. Um, but I kind of started seeing different churches, different, different things that I kind of would rebel against. Again, here I am being, you know, rebellious. Um, what did you see through that mission trip and, and that around that time of, of your life? Because I was, I believe that was after you graduated high school. Right. Yep. I, I uh, became a missionary after I graduated high school in 2000. Um, I think that, you know, I haven't thought about this question, mm -hmm. so I'm just going to pull my reaction out yeah. of my ass. But like, I think that I didn't start to really acknowledge the toxic nature of religion or church or Christianity or whatever we want to talk about mm -hmm. um, until maybe, I don't know, five years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I'd already deconverted. Like I, 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 when I deconverted, I, I always said like, I don't have a problem with God. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's like, I just don't believe, <laughs> like, I just, I can't, I don't believe in it. I don't have a problem with religion or I don't have a problem with the church, with Christianity, with God. I'm not angry at God. I just don't believe in any of it. It's really, it's nothing personal. You just have no evidence at all. That's all. So. So when I deconverted, it 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 um, it was not easy, right? But at, in in this in a similar way, it felt like I was trying to make it amicable, more mm -hmm. amicable than it probably should have been. Um, and I think that, like, as soon as I left missions, I just jumped right into therapy, and I haven't stopped uh -huh. since. So it, it's taken many years. Like, I've talked about this before on the show, but like. Uh, most of the work that I've had to do has been post deconversion. Mm -hmm. um, Cause like we're talking about, there's a lot of work to be done in deconstructing um, what you were taught, especially if it continues to uh, subconsciously for a lack of a better term, inform your choices and to affect your reactions and to um, play itself out in your thought patterns. So, like right when I came back from missions, which I, that was the point when I started kind of deconverting over several years, uh, like the first things that were happen happened were that I got an eating disorder that was already just kind of at the surface and just kind of went full blown once I came back to the States, um, and left career missions. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I mean, that started in 2003 and I didn't really get a handle on it until maybe, oh, I don't know, 2013 or something. Mm. So 10 years of dealing with that, which I, in my narrative, I see it as, you know, it was a coping mechanism. It was something I did to compensate for the lack of control that I felt in losing my religion, mm -hmm. um, losing my framework of there being a God who was watching me, someone who I could talk to, someone who was taking care of me, losing all of that was deeply 
uh, difficult yeah. to manage. And I think that's a common um, experience for people who leave their faith or leave a, a level of faith. And so most of those years have been that, like mm -hmm. trying to survive for the most part and not having the resources yet to turn back and to look at what happened to me um, in church and in the missionary field and to have some objectivity and some strength to digest what really happened um, and to realize how it affected me. So that's why I say that like in the last five years, I've, I've gotten strong enough and um, have found myself enough that I've been able to finally look back and see the fuck upness of the religion that I was a part of and what kind of messages it told me and why that affects me now. And so, um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't see those things mm -hmm. very clearly when I was in the midst of it, nor did I see it immediately after deconverting or anything. It took a while before yeah. I really saw it. And I think that's synonymous with like even relationships. Like I had, um, a marriage from 2004 to 2009, which pretty much ran the same course. It was just kind of this up and down thing of like, I want to divorce you, but I don't believe in divorce, but I want to divorce you, but I don't believe in divorce. And then finally divorcing and forcing ourselves to feel really amicable about it mm -hmm. because we felt like that was the most grown up thing to do. But then just like, um, two or three years ago, I saw him again and I had healed enough and become, um, stronger, um, that I was able to like see him for who he was. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was incredibly disturbing, like, and it was just really triggering to remember that that was the relationship that I was in and it was terrible. It was yeah. a really terrible relationship and I couldn't see it at the time. I couldn't see it when we divorced. I couldn't see it for years and years after, um, even being in a new relationship. So I think, I think maybe that's, that's an, a natural or, um, a possible way of that playing out that you don't realize how hurt you were until much later on. I mean, that's, I guess that's what I've been seeing. And I think I've been seeing it more because I think uh, more and more people are actually talking about it. And that's a good thing yeah. because uh, when I first started kind of, you know, pulling the rug out from under myself, I felt like that's what I was doing, just <laughs> doing this all yeah. myself. I had a lot of concerned people on online and a lot of concerned phone calls from people. And of course, my wife's family thought I was going crazy. They still think that I'm going crazy. They think they we've, <laughs> we've had some interesting times over the past couple of weeks yeah. uh, with them trying to wrap their head around me going to church and being uh, me going to church, calling myself a Christian. I'm, I'm OK with calling myself a Christian again for the yeah. time being, um, but also being uh, uh, an ally of the LGBTQ community. And they're like, why do you care so much? Um, mm -hmm. Which that's been our own, our battle lately. And you can't, you know, if, if someone's made up their mind based on the Bible, you can't yeah. have a conversation with them about, uh, because everyone's people <laughs> and everyone <laughs> deserves to be respected and yeah. left the hell alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause my morals aren't inf informed by your book that was written yeah. 2000 years yeah. ago. Um, but I think um, just kind of dealing with that over time, and I've, I've, I've come to realize just dealing with this for 10 years that this is just a new journey. Yeah. 
And um, so many people just want you to get over it. Uh, can you just quickly get over this? I mean, I know my wife wanted me to just get over it for a while. We we had, yeah. and I've talked about this before, we had our rough, a rough period of time uh, until she kind of started pulling that thread of mm. of deconstruct not necessarily deconstruction in her case but just kind of reevaluating her thinking yeah and kind of realigning with <clears throat> keeping her core values intact because she's never changed as a person she's just more open to yeah. differing opinions and my opinions and that's that has strengthened our marriage but yeah uh you just kind of see this happening over years and years and years and i get triggered i tr- i get triggered now by just stupid things and um and everyone's just trying to get through it as quickly as they can. I see it through, yeah. <clears throat> I see it through like the Facebook groups that I'm a part of. I'll see myself kind of doing that, like, oh, I'm so past that, you know, <laughs> like, oh, oh, look at these new, de- new, newly deconstructed people. Oh, they're so cute. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, oh, I'm just so past this conversation. And then a week later, I have something happen or something that gets triggered. I'm like, oh, wait, well, maybe. Yeah, maybe this is a time thing. Maybe this isn't a quick change. Like you don't just become an atheist or an agnostic. You just yeah. It, it's it's a slowly it's a slow kind of whittling away. And I think even deconstruction's kind of a I don't know if it's the correct term for, yeah. for me. It was more I I mean I burned it all to the ground. Yeah, I I, I took a friggin' <laughs> I took a, uh, a wrecking ball to my belief system and I tore all that shit down. Yeah, and then I've been kind of slowly rebuilding. You know, my own framework, my own philosophies, my own theology, um, mm. piece by piece, slowly. Yeah. And I'm probably not going to be done until I die, you know. Yeah. So, but um, but yeah, it is it definitely, there's no time limit on this. And I think a lot no. of people want there to be, and we're all human. Yeah, we, we kind of would like some normalcy back in our lives. But yeah. um, just like with any traumatic experience, it's kind of embracing that new normal in a sense. yeah. And I mean, isn't that what life is? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's just, that brings up for me um, what I see as a, a, a challenge for humanity in that we are constantly looking for resolutions, answers, black and white, mm-hmm. uh, timelines, expectations, schedules. Like, that's, we want life to function like a, a machine that, that if we have an expectation for something that it should work out that way and that um, that we can demand of ourselves um, certain things that you could expect out of a machine or a calculator but we have to constantly remind ourselves that we're not we're not we're not machines we're not calculators we're living beings with feelings and neurons that are very sensitive like these paths in our in our minds our cognition is very sensitive to the things that we're taught during different times of our in our lives and we're very affected by the the communities that we live in and the way that we are raised and so things are complicated yeah life is complicated our minds are complicated this is all complicated and anyone who says it's not you're full of shit. Like <laughs> I have no problem saying that and I think this is me at 13 years old yelling this right now like stop mm-hmm. giving me pat answers. Stop mm-hmm. telling me that you know I could just figure it out if I do this or if I do that. Stop it. Like it's complicated and it's messy and that's okay. Like, let's just be okay. And I think this kind of comes into some of the premise of our show, uh, at least like uh, the underlining uh, philosophy under is that everyone's agnostic in terms of like, 
we don't we don't know we don't know how this all works we don't know how this is all going to end up we don't really even know ourselves to an extent like we're not in control here like <laughs> none of us knows what go what's going on we're just apes who learned how to think and to to speak hypothetically and uh -huh. think in the abstract but we're still apes we're still made out of all the things that the other animals are made of and yes we're animals like nobody knows what's going on here like <laughs> and right. that's okay like the sooner that we can move towards accepting the ambiguity and the oddness and the unexpectedness and the lack of control and the chaos of what the hell is happening, meaning existence mm -hmm. of anything at all, like the sooner you can work on just accepting that as truth. It might not be easy to accept it, but I find it easier to deal with life when I release expectations for how things are supposed to be. And I think that that can inform someone who is, whether they're on a path of deconstruction or however they want to label it, whether they're on that path, whether they're doubting, whether they're trying to recover from mm -hmm. um, religious trauma, all of these paths are complicated and different and there are no expectations because you're just an ape. And so <laughs> let's just do our best. There is no God. There is no external source. There is no higher power that's setting expectations for how we should develop and grow and where we're supposed to reach, like some destination that we're supposed to reach. We're not supposed to be anything. We're mm -hmm. just here. We just, we're just here. And like the sooner that, at least for me, so I'm yeah. not only seeing my philosophy, right? <laughs> like that the sooner that I can release that expectation uh, the easier it is just to kind of settle into the chaos and just watch it ensue and just be grateful and happy for the things that do happen in life that are amazing because it's harder to take those for granted when you realize how like the chaos that we are living mm -hmm. in right now that nobody's in charge. It's, it's, um, it can, it can cultivate an attitude of, of, Oh God, am I going to say attitude of gratitude? <laughs> Gross. No, I don't want to say that. Uh. <laughs> attitude of thankfulness, but thankfulness to who? See, language is limiting. Yeah, but... language is limiting. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. And, and that's kind of, you know, been, been a part of my journey as well as, as to just embrace the absurdity yeah. of life. And once you can do that, and that's why I, I've never been able to fall into any specific categories. I've always had issues with becoming part of a group or yeah. I've always kind of had just embraced the ebbs, ebb and flow, ebbs and flow. I don't know um, yeah. of, of, of just kind of where my journey has, has taken me. And, um, and that's the thing is whenever I, I, I laugh, whenever I, say like, oh yeah, I consider myself a Christian right now, but it's like, I don't know how next week, how I'm going to be feeling. But yeah. right now, like I really do gravitate towards the portions of the Bible uh, that are attributed to, attributed to Jesus. And it's a very yeah. small portion of the Bible, yeah. um, but my whole understanding of the Bible has changed. And that was one of the first things to kind of, um, once I understood how it was written, I was able to kind of see all the the nuances of these these ancient these ancient letters that Constantine decided to put into a book, um, <laughs> yeah, you know. So, but once you kind of understand that, you can embrace the absurdity of of everything because this is a book full of a bunch of ancient people's different ideas about things, and that's all yeah. it is. That's all any 
holy book is. Yeah. And uh, it's for some reason there's a there's a part of humanity that doesn't that wants to conform and uh, oh what's the word congeal congeal Mm -hmm. into something together because they can't. I don't know. It, it makes life, I guess, easier to live when you know that there are some absolutes. There's absolute yeah. truth. Yeah. Um, but but I, I don't know. Like, nothing is absolute. Not even scientists no. can say things are absolute. Um, so, But it, people have such a hard time breaking out of that. And yeah. um, it's funny. My daughter and I watched The Matrix the other day. and mm. uh, And I was like, man... This is a whole new level because I haven't watched it since I, <laughs> I haven't watched oh, it in years, you know? yeah. So you're interpreting um, it different I'm like, wow. I'm like, how did churches gl- gleam onto that? Like, how did, <laughs> how, how, this is, it's all about breaking out of conformity. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but there's things that can't, it can be, well, Neo's a Christ figure. I'm like, oh, he's kind of not. I mean, <laughs> not really. I mean, maybe, but but in a in a progressive progressive liberal Christian sense, yeah, I can yeah, see maybe. that, yeah. you know. But I, it's it's just so funny, kind of seeing these things. Like, um, and my daughter goes, and of course she's she it's blowing her brain. She's like, "What if we are just <laughs> in this thing?" And I'm like, "Exactly. <laughs> we what might if, be. Yeah, why not?" <laughs> That's awesome. And you know what? All this makes me think like, uh, like I hear like some amount of um, insecurity in the, uh, in what you're expressing mm-hmm. in terms of like your identity. Like, am I a Christian or am I not? Like, how long am I going to be a Christian? Is that really a word I identify with? Like, mm-hmm. and, and, but, but that you're working on embracing the ebb and flow. And I like that so much because like I, I, this all wraps around a larger concept, which I'm not sure what the word is yet, but what it makes me think of is when I started to open my mind about the spectrum of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like when I was, I was raised to be heterosexual uh, normative mm-hmm. um, and that everything else was an outlier, that it was evil or whatever. And right. even then, even when I got past that and I was like, Oh no, those things are fine too. Like, I I thought that you were gay, you were straight, and that was the end of the story. <laughs> um, and then only like in the last three or four years or so when trans um, rights and trans people mm-hmm. have been getting more um, headlines, um, which probably started because of negative shit that happened right. to them that people fought against. I will acknowledge that. Yeah. But getting them in the headlines for me opened up my mind because then I had to contend with this. What is this trans thing? And so learning about trans things learn uh, opened my mind to, oh, there's people who call themselves non-binary. There are mm-hmm. people who are intersex. There are people who just prefer the word queer. There are people who are bisexual. There's people who are pansexual. Mm-hmm. And there's just this whole array out there. And 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 so there's so many more labels that you can choose from. But even beyond that, sexuality shifts. Like you're saying, like, maybe I'm, I'm a Christian today, but I don't know next week. So, like... There, there. Sexuality is a spectrum. There are tendencies. There are. There's like a standard deviation within your own sexuality of things that you may or may not be open to in a given day, in a given moment. But like even that ebbs and flows, and it, it is um, 
flexible yeah. and can change depending on who you're with, what what is the environment that you're in. And so like to an extent, I, you know, labels are helpful. Like if you're generally straight, it's probably going to make the most sense just to identify as straight. But ultimately, like those things are a little wibbly wobbly too. Like, they, Oh yeah, there's, there's days where I'm like, man, I would jump Oscar Isaac's bones right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a good-looking yeah. man. Yeah. Well, you probably identify as straight, I'm assuming, because oh, yes, of what yes. you said. Yeah. Very, yeah. So, like, sexuality <clears throat> can can be so, uh, like, uh, am- what's the word I'm looking for? It can just, it can it can be so dynamic. Um, yeah. It, and no, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know the word you're looking for either, but, uh, but I, 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 I think so. Like the more and the older I get too, um, and the more conversations my wife and I have as and as we're raising children, that really helps these conversations. Yeah. Um, um, as I mean, I was raised with such a negative uh, view of sexuality. Yeah. And um, and now that I'm looking into it, I'm like, well, as long as as long as everyone is safe and everyone's like consenting, consenting and. I'm like, I don't even know where else to go after that. I mean, I'm, yeah, as long I can't as, think of any ethical you know, reason to stop anything after that <laughs> no. point. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm just, you know, just make some, make, make smart choices, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not a thing anymore. Um, yeah. even with, with my kids, I'm like, I, we've had, I mean, we've had talks just cause my daughter's 13. So we're, you know, this stuff is, um, <clears throat> This stuff's on our on the dialogue on the table right now, you know, with with her, and we're like, you know, you're only under a roof for she's fourteen in, in June for four more years, you know, yeah. really, and she can stay here if she wants to go to college, it's fine, but yeah. she's but she's gonna be kind of under our training, our guidance, if you will, like for four more years, and then we our relationship changes, yeah, and um, we haven't um d- dove into we're you know, of course she's aware of sex and everything, we've had these conversations, but um. We haven't had like, oh, this is, this is the biblical way of doing it. This is the, mm. we've always kept our conversations around, um, around cons- uh, consent. Um, if, if this boy is trying to force himself on you, that is not consent, um, yeah. or, or, or girl, whatever, whoever, uh, <laughs> as long as there's consent in play and as long as you need to be aware of, okay, this, this activity is how babies are made. Are you ready yeah. for that? No, I'm not. Okay. Well, there are other options. So you that doesn't happen. So yeah, but it's such a different conversation now than I was raised with. Because yeah, and and these this the, this next generation is uh, with her age and 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 you know older. It's just not a it's not a taboo thing anymore as much as our society wants it to be. I guess yeah. So I yeah, I don't know. So. It's 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 I. It's funny because I hadn't really had to think about it until these past couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can see her. why. Because <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm happily married and everything, and I'm like, well, yeah. I, as far as I, I don't see divorce in my future. I would, uh, for yeah. uh, you know, five years back, maybe I could have thought that was a possibility because everything yeah. we were going through. Yeah. Um, but we've worked through that, and it's like, well, yeah, I'm not. I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine being in the dating game right now. 
<laughs> it terrifies <Nope>. me. <laughs> oh, no. It's, I mean, yeah. I mean, sometimes it sucks, but I've gotten, I've gotten pretty uh, lucky. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I would say that I'm happily married, too, by the way. But um, <laughs> my situation's a little different. I have two extra boyfriends, so and I'm very happily with them, too. <laughs> like I said, if everyone's, if there's consent all the way around, we are good yep. to go. That's, oh yeah, you know. No, so they've all met each other. There's like a Google Hangouts chat for all of us to talk. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's it's fucking amazing. I love it. Wow. See, and, and there's and there's that side of my brain that goes, I do not understand that at all. Please tell me oh, more. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that work? No, a lot of people don't get it. Yeah, and I, I <laughs> honestly, I love talking about it because I know. That not a lot of people do it and are very curious. And uh, I, I was recently um, a listener recently called me a sex nerd the other day, <laughs> which was like the the thirteen year old who was being indoctrinated with purity culture like mm-hmm. flashed up in my head, and she's like, "What? No, <laughs> no, I'm not a sex nerd." But then like the older awesome me was like, "Yeah, like." I guess I am like, I really, I do like talking about it and I like airing out these things that we are all mm-hmm. keeping so goddamn private. Yeah. Um, I, I like talking about it. Like, not that I'm like going around fucking everyone and that was, that's, <laughs> that's not what my talking about it looks like, but I think that we need to talk about our sex more. Like it's such a, like a, it can be such a fun thing and we're so like hung up. In American culture, mm-hmm. especially if you're raised in a fundamentalist kind of religion like mine that represses your sexuality and shames it, if you're not, like, props to you, like, go date some former fundamentalists and help <laughs> them heal because we need it. <laughs> but, I mean, like, ah, I just, I, that's just my thing. Like, I yeah. just, I really enjoy talking about it with people who are interested in it and, and becoming in, you know, I'm going to talk about poly a little bit, but like, I, I, um, if you feel uncomfortable, if you Sean, or if you if <laughs> listeners feel uncomfortable with what I'm saying, I'm okay with that. Like right. it's, it's my choice. It's my, it's my life. It's, um, I'm very, 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 very happy with my choices. And I understand people can't relate and are sometimes kind of like uncomfortable with like hearing about how it right. works. I remember the first person that told me that they were poly and I was like super grossed out. I was like, <laughs> ew. Like, <laughs> I was super grossed <clears throat> out. But like polys ended up being something really amazing for me. Mm-hmm. Like, because um, <clears throat> like, like I mentioned, obviously I, I deconverted because um, I accidentally questioned my worldview. And uh, so then I lost it because there was no evidence for it. And so when one does that and one can survive the fallout of losing their entire worldview, <laughs> then they become more prone to ask um, other questions in the future. And, <clears throat> excuse me, so that's kind of what happened to me about three years ago. Like, I'm happy in my marriage, etc. but I just kept on coming back to all this sexual trauma that I'm holding, um, all these horrible messages that I'm keeping in my head from mm-hmm. being religious, being raised in uh, True Love Waits, reading books like I Kiss Dating Goodbye, shit like that. Things that just can't, that don't just get magically healed because I'm happily married. Like, they actively affect my marriage. So... I guess. And then also I think boys are scary. Like boys used to be really, really scary. And like, 
I don't like talking to boys because maybe they'll think I'm pretty or maybe they're going to think I'm <laughs> ugly. But either way, they have all this power over me and I'm intimidated by them and I don't know how to flirt because all I want to do is talk about death and sexuality <laughs> and people. I just don't know if they want to do that. Like, are they going to know that I'm flirting with them if I'm like, you know, so like right. I had like really a hard time with that. And I knew I had some shit I wanted to work through. And so my husband and I just ended up researching it. And like the Bible, we found no reason to believe in it mm-hmm. in it, to believe in monogamy for mm-hmm. us. Obviously it's a, it's a, unlike sexual orientation in general, polyamory is something that you can choose. Um, we chose that right. because we, we wanted to, so we did. And it's ended up being like super surprising and super healing and awesome. And like, I I met a guy two years ago that I've been dating ever since. And like, he has been so supportive of me and my husband and like, <laughs> he'll come over on date nights and like, we'll cook together and then he'll make sure to send the leftovers off with my husband to work the next day. Like <laughs> he like takes care of us and he helped us find a new house. Like he helped me, he's helped me a lot to discover my voice. Like mm. the, the, one of the big reasons why I'm able to talk to you like that I am now and the way that I'm able to be on the, sh- the podcast um, is a lot, a lot to do with him learning how to, to speak up and to ask for what I want and to not be apologetic and to set boundaries and limits. And he also was really encouraging me of develop, developing the idea of ethics, what are ethics outside of religion. And mm-hmm. that really helped me as well. And then now this new boyfriend that I have, was raised by a feminist who taught him sex positivity. Um, so he is very comfortable with his sexuality. So obviously like that's been helpful for me <laughs> to like unwrap some of that shit. And yeah. like, there's uh, a lot of other great qualities about him that I love. Like he's super into music, which music has been an issue for me since I left religion because in my experience, um, given that I was a fundamentalist, most of the music that I listened to was Christian because anything else is seen as secular, worldly, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And so all the music I would listen to would be that very emotive, Mm -hmm. um, sensationalist kind of music that was meant to make you feel an imaginary connection to somebody who loves you um, and died for you. Mm -hmm. So like I, I had some trauma around like, music that makes you feel (laughs) and and um so like i wouldn't i don't go to concerts i don't really just like sit and listen to music because i'm afraid i'll start crying and never stop um and so there's been some shit around that that i've wanted to work on for a long time and and so this second boyfriend of mine is like he super fucking loves music and so like we went to a concert the other day together and yeah and it was really it was mildly uncomfortable for me but I had enough like self-talk built up in my head around music that like you know I kept on telling myself no the good feelings that you get from music were appropriated by Mm -hmm. fundamentalist religion those good feelings that you felt they were not actually Jesus right they were the feelings of this is beautiful music and as a human We are evolved in a way to love music and we feel good inside because of it, not because of Jesus. And so anyway, this is all to say that like, these are things in my life that I've gotten to experience because of these relationships. Mm -hmm. And 
um, I could go on about it forever. Yeah. It's, well, it's just <clears throat> been great. Yeah. Well, it sounds like these are, I mean, these are positives. These are, these are people, um, that are in your close knit circle in your life with your husband or your boyfriends. And they all, it, it seems like everyone kind of has a different way of speaking into your life, being a part yeah. of your life and, and influencing in a positive way, um, lifting you up. Um, and you know, and, and that's, I, why would that be a bad thing? You know, I, I like there's in this <laughs> scenario, um, you know, whether, whether, you know, it doesn't work, doesn't, wouldn't work for everyone, but we're all different. We're, you know, right. we're, we're, uh, the humanity is, is just a rainbow of color. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if it works for you, if it's speaking positivity into your life and you are all better people because of it, uh, I got nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that at all. You yeah. Know? And if everyone's I mean, getting laid, then, I mean, come on. I mean, why is there no reason to argue with that? Well, sometimes poly is about sex and sometimes <laughs> well, it isn't. There well, I was are say as- that, yeah. asexual people mm-hmm. who, are, who are poly. But, yeah, I mean, it can be about sex. Right. It, you know, usually when people think about poly, they're like, oh, you got to have sex all the oh, time. It's just, it's a, like, it's just so, gangbangs. It's all it is, gangbangs. Not always. No. Like, I mean, it's just as much as you would, you know, in a marriage, perhaps. Maybe, yeah. maybe more because, like, you're having more experiences with new people and that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. No, I get that. But what I mean to say, what I mean to say is, is to it, it, it is, it is above that. It is yeah. more of a connection with people, um, a very close connection with, with people. Yeah. And that is, that is the, the, the connection. That's the, that's, that's the positive thing. Um, and, but sex can also be very positive as well. So, it um, it also, and I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm awful at, talking about subjects like this because i just start stumbling and uh <laughs> that's okay i can talk fine. more i was gonna say that like sometimes people say when i tell them about this they're like um well that's cool um just as long as it brings you good things and sometimes i don't know what to say to that because sometimes it sometimes it doesn't you right know? well like, any relationship you know right like am i supposed to divorce my husband because he's constant like he's not constantly a positive force in my life like okay sure i'm gonna be very lonely but that's fine <laughs> but like the biggest thing that i don't tell people who i pick up on judging me mm-hmm. is that there there has been negative experiences mm-hmm. in becoming polyamorous but mm-hmm. they are not polyamory's fault they are right. um, monogamy centric cultures fault like when my husband started dating his girlfriend a year and a half ago, I went through hell, mm. fucking hell, because I was experiencing so much jealousy mm. um, that I became really emotionally and physically estranged from my husband because I was um, I wasn't able to articulate it at the time. Like it took me a lot of work. Like I had to do a lot of therapy. Um, and like write a lot to figure out what the fuck was going on in my head. Um, but uh, basically like, you know, I had to deconstruct monogamy, Mm -hmm. um, up close and personal when it's not me receiving the benefits of it. Um, so, and it had to do with releasing someone's body, um, Mm -hmm. not possessing their sexuality, Mm -hmm. not buying into the uh, 
narrative that if they love you, they won't have sex with anyone else or that they become dirty if they have sex with someone else, or if they love someone else, then they can't possibly love you the same amount anymore, as if love, you get 10 loves that you can spend <laughs> throughout your life, and if uh -huh. you spend them, then they're all gone. So there was a lot of that stuff that was playing out in a very subconscious kind of a way that I found very difficult difficult to articulate. but. Yeah through like a lot of therapy and a lot of um, emotional labor mm -hmm. <laughs> with my husband, um, like it ended up being an incredibly good thing to grow out of um, because what it kind of came down to for me is that I was intimidated by his girlfriend because I, she represented to me all the things that I thought I was supposed to be as a woman. Right. Like she's cute and she knows how to flirt and she wears makeup and she wears dresses <laughs> and she, yeah, she, oh, she flirts. She seduces. She has no problem like touching a man's leg. Like just she's, she's all the things that I thought that I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was extremely intimidated by her. Um, but through all of my work, I eventually got to this place where I looked at myself and I was like, but I don't want to be her. Right. I, I, I've finally gotten to this place where I like me and I don't want to, I don't want to change me just to make a man happy. <laughs> right. Like, right. Why yeah. would I want to do that? And so it, it ended up being very, very painful, but the result was going through something and healing something in me that I probably never would have seen mm. if I had stayed monogamous. And I feel so much more secure in who I am now, mm -hmm. like that. Um, I, I feel secure in my, my relationship with my husband that I know that he's happy with me. He loves me. He wants to stay with me. Even if he does have a girlfriend, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't doubt that anymore. And I do think that we're a good match. And just because she will talk about his dick, like anywhere <laughs> she goes, like, that's not my problem. Like <laughs> right. the way that I manifest my sexuality and the way that I do things doesn't need to be her way. Yeah. And I can I can be me and those people who like that can be a part of my world and those who don't I can release them and it's okay. <laughs> and so anyway that's just a very long story just yeah, to say no. that there 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 are negative things yeah. about well, poly. You know, you really yeah. have to contend with some shit sometimes. Yeah. Well, I think that I mean with with anything, with anything that we go through in our lives, especially if we're at a point where we are fighting for ourselves in a sense, we're fighting to be the best versions of ourselves. So we are going to kind of go through these challenges with whatever path as we're, as we're discovering what makes us happy, you know? Um, yeah. Cause we live, especially in the fundamentalist world, you are taught to you. You're making God happy. Yeah. God's really the only one you need to be pleasing everything else. You know, um, as long as you're doing that, you know, you're doing fine. And then through that, you need to kind of work on all, all these relationships, but there's these rules and everything. But, um, and then when you get to a point where you want to make yourself happy, you get, uh, you know, you, you get the word, uh, oh, you're just sell or the phrase, yo, you're just being selfish yeah. thrown at you from these groups. Yeah. And really, um, it's, it's not, it's, we need to take the time to learn about ourselves and to, yeah. and especially if we're deconstructing, moving away from a, a, a way of life, a, a philosophy we were raised with. You have to have that self-care time. You have to find out what makes you tick. You have to undo a whole yeah. bunch of stuff and really find out what, you know, 
and be honest with those around you uh, what yeah. makes you tick and what you like and you need to figure that out. And and the people that love you, they're going to stay. And the yeah. people that obviously don't, they're not going to stay. And you yeah. need to not worry about them. Let them go. Let them go. Right. That's the biggest thing we've we've had to learn. Um, right. I need I need to start wrapping up. My wife yep. is uh, speaking of my wife. She's on her way back from Oceanside, <laughs> and uh, I need to put on the dad hat and get the kids. You know, <laughs> okay. Take care of my no <laughs> take care of my children. I guess. Uh, yeah. But um, but I mean, um, we we have touched on so many different topics. Um, yeah. This is awesome. I knew I and I, I knew we would. And uh, I'm so glad we got to talk uh, about uh, uh, being, uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, polyamorous, polyamorous? Yeah, that's totally right, yeah. Polyamorous, because I've never had a, even this is a, even though it was a short conversation about it, I have don't think I've ever had a conversation about uh, yeah. about that before, so that's fantastic. So any show that I can have and talk about something completely new, I love it. So Good, um, <laughs> I'm so excited, it was super fun to talk about, I love I, it. I would love to have you back, there's so many things we touched on, and as I'm kind of getting this year kind of thought out, um, yeah. I do, because I know that you you do, you are, um, um, I do want to kind of, I'm trying to kind of talk to people who are in, who are artistic, and who are pursuing, and who have used art, and things like that, to not necessarily, and, and I want to move away from the deconstruction aspect, kind of what, how, yeah. how people, um, strengthen their own life philosophy through the arts and through the things that they do, they write or do videos or, you know, I have friends in Hollywood and things like that. So I'm trying to get that wrapped, wrapped mm -hmm. together. Um, so if anything comes up, um, I would love to have you back on for sure. Yeah, that'd be so. cool. You should look up my brother. He does. He's a he's a like a progressive Christian, and he does a lot of Christian art okay. that's pretty edgy. His uh, I don't know if we're recording anymore, but we, we are. His, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll text it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I consent to share my name, but he did not consent. Awesome. To share awesome. His. Yes. Yes. Let. <laughs> Send that to me and, and we'll see if it's a fit. But I do want to, yeah. you know, there's things I want to do. And and um, like I said, we've touched on so many things. I think you're a wealth of knowledge with um, with your life experiences. So um, definitely anyone that's ever been on the show, I always ex want to extend that. Like they're, yeah. you know, um, we have just, we have become friends over this past hour. So Aww. you're stuck. You are stuck with me. I'm sorry. Oh, no, not more friends. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. What people that I can learn from and grow from and learn about different life experiences from? What are you talking it's about? So <laughs> <laughs> well, Marie, thank you so much for joining me on, uh, on the first episode of The Armchair Philosopher 2019. This has been a fantastic conversation. And uh, I, I look forward to, I look forward to more. So we'll definitely make that happen. Um, before we leave, I want to make sure you can tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can find the podcast, um, kind of the, any uh, any public work that you do in this arena. Uh, just Absolutely. give you some time to let people know about that. Yes. Yeah, so we are on most podcast um, platforms. You can find us, Everyone's Agnostic, and we have a website, everyonesagnostic.com, that has more information about us. We are on all of the social media sites, such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, um, and I'm trying to think of anything else to promote. We have a retreat coming awesome. up in October. People are, we're going to rent out a cabin in, um, the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee for the weekend. Um, I think, uh, Luke King from your atheist pastor is probably going to be going. Um, he's another podcaster. Awesome. So, um, it's, it's a cool community. We've got an online Facebook group, a support group, and, um, 
yeah, give it a give it a listen. But if it conflicts with your time listening to Armchair Philosopher, put it <laughs> put it to the back. I'm not Just, putting out enough of these to to have this conflict with anyone's time. So, and that's what's well, great. When Sean's so. busy, then you can come listen to yes. us. <laughs> yes. Also, listen to uh, the Life After. Um, yeah. What other podcasts are there? There's so many. There's so many good there's podcasts out there. At least the Exvangelical Podcast, of course. Yeah. Blake Chastain. I need yeah. to have Blake on the show. I've been. I need to have him on to ask him some tough questions about the whole Exvangelical thing. I'm gonna be like, see, are you starting a cult? Are you starting another group, Blake? What do you think about that? <laughs> uh, I, I would. I would definitely uh, have some fun talking with him. That'd but, be cool. Um, uh, sorry, I interrupted you. Anything else? Oh nope, that's ba- that's basically it. Yep, that's <laughs> okay. it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, well, I want to thank all of you for listening, and uh, definitely check out Everyone's Agnostic uh, online through all the places. I'll have all the, sh- the links in the show notes and all that good stuff. So, Marie Delafont, thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope to talk to you again very soon. Thanks, dude. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, everyone who listened and didn't get grossed out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you all for listening to this uh, this only podcast of uh, of 2019. Um, I have a lot going on that I want to do, and I want to, and I've been trying to transition into a season six, and that will be happening soon. Um, I want to be kind of switching gears in discussing, you know, deconstruction and and religion, and kind of go more into philosophy and um, and art and creativity and things like that and how that brings in philosophy and, and even belief and faith and religion. So, um, like I said, I've been doing these, uh, these audiobooks and I've been meeting a lot of really amazing uh, 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 authors, writers and, 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 uh, and other creatives. So what I, what I probably will be doing is trying to get some of these authors that I've done these audiobooks with and, uh, and hearing their stories and what, and what you know, they bring into these stories that I've been narrating and, and things like that. So I'm, I kind of want to start diving into um, that. So, so we'll see how it goes. So that'll be that'll be season six. I want to kind of uh, dive into philosophy and faith uh, through the eyes of creativity and, and story. So um, that's that's the plan for season six, and it should be ramping up pretty soon. I've just updated the website and everything. So go to theaxpx.com. Find me there um, on Facebook. You can find me facebook.com/theaxpx. And of course, Twitter um, and, and all that stuff is, is available. Is available. So, I will talk to all of you next time. Thank you so much for listening and for being a part of this uh, crazy, crazy thing that I somehow cannot stop doing. I'll talk to all of you next time. <laughs>